Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name is Jeff Thomas, and we've got a very special guest with us today, Matt Nelson, who's the CEO of Polish Homes. Matt, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jeff. I'm excited to be here. Well, whenever you hear a home builder on this podcast, you know they were probably referred by uh, one of my co-hosts, Jeff Rutt. And so we give a shout out to Jeff Rutt. Thank you for introducing us and uh, twisting Matt's arm to be on the podcast. Uh, But it's going to be a lot of fun. Matt, as you know, we usually start this podcast with just some history. Tell us about where you grew up, what your family was like, like if there was faith, if there wasn't, that sort of thing. Yeah, you bet. Well, first, I, I do need to make that connection to Jeff Rutt. I uh, appreciate his passion for generosity and home building so much. And I met Jeff through a home building partnership group that we're in. And it's been a pleasure to know him. And he's challenged us uh, in many great ways. And so, yeah, Jeff, we're, we're thankful for you. Okay, well, I... I uh, grew up in uh, in Portland, Oregon, in a suburb of Portland, Oregon, and I grew up in a very simple family. Uh, it was just me and my sister, and ultimately, uh, through high school, uh, ended up going to Biola University. Uh, and actually, as I've listened to your podcast, you you've had a, a friend of mine on. Uh, his name was John Reinhardt. Oh yeah. So uh, I know John, and uh, and a couple of other of your other guests. I've also you know really enjoyed listening to. So Biola was a, a really pivotal experience for me. Uh, I had a hunger to learn about the Bible. Uh, grew up in a public school system, and so didn't really get that training in theology. And and at Biola uh, was able to uh, take a whole bunch of Bible classes, which I really enjoyed. Uh, so. From Biola, I entered uh, the medical sales environment for yeah. a while. And I, as I've been trying to think about how my story can potentially impact any listeners, uh, it's, it's humbling, first of all. It's, 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 I'm not sure I can, but I think there are certain themes. And one of those themes is that I feel like I have spent a long time trying to find my place in this world. Mm. Um, I did not grow up with a particular career in mind. I didn't have a dream to be a firefighter and, you know, my dad worked in a warehouse. And so I, I didn't particularly have a passion to go do that. And I struggled for, for years actually to find that place where I felt God would allow me to deploy my talents and gifts in a way that, uh, you know, number one, that could provide for my family and could glorify him. So you know, once I was in the medical sales uh, environment, I realized pretty quickly that this was just a job to pay the bills. Yeah. And it was not uh, not an environment for me to succeed in the long run. And so after about three years of that, uh, being newly married in that time as well, uh, we were living in Chicago then, we were moving back to Portland and I decided to go to grad school at Portland State University. So that is where I studied uh, an MBA program and, and studied business really for the first time because I, I was a physical science major in undergrad. And uh, while I was at Portland State, I really developed a passion for real estate finance. I uh, took a mm. class in real estate finance. And because I didn't have any business training in undergrad, I was, uh, found myself very behind in that class, actually. Mm. Um, not passing. 
And uh, I had a hunger to learn. And so I reached out to the professor and I just camped in his office and he helped me get, uh, you know, get caught up in that class. And I, I remember that that final exam I took that year uh, was a really fun experience for me because I had learned so much in the year and it was an opportunity for me to really put on display everything I had learned. Uh, and it, it, it created a passion inside of me to, to follow that. And so I, that experience for me was, I felt like the Lord leading me into the real estate space after a time of really wandering and, and trying to figure out where I fit. And the hard part about this is this was 2008 and nine, which was a horrible time to be trying to get into real estate, especially real estate finance. So I ended up taking a job for a real estate developer and we were trying to raise money for senior living communities. And uh, again, horrible time to do that. Right. Financial uh, crisis. Yes. It was brutal. So literally no, no, uh, all the spigots were closed and you're trying to open them up. Great concept. Nobody's buying. Right. Was was the experience for uh, three years, actually. Wow. Yeah. So three years into it, uh, the owner of the company shows up and says, Matt, I can't pay anymore. And that was a earth shattering experience for me. I uh, had never been unemployed before, and I was really in denial. Uh, and as, as I sit here today, the writing was all over the wall that this company was, was going to fail. And yet I, w- I chose to sit in that, in that seat uh, for probably a year or two longer than I should have, just because I was afraid to move. And you know, this, this layoff actually turned out to be one of the most powerful experiences in my life, one of the most powerful faith-building experiences in my life because of the way God showed up to help. So uh, when I was laid off, uh, I went, we went home that night and I was talking to my wife and we had you know, one son already. Uh, and my mother-in-law happened to be over and I was telling her that I just lost my job. And the first comment out of her mouth was, well, at least you're not pregnant. Oh and boy. Elsa and I looked at each other and we were pregnant with two. <laughs> so it just feels like, you know, kind of the world's falling apart around yeah. me at this time. And uh, the next four months turned out to be such a powerful experience, you know, because we were so early in our marriage and our career, we didn't have much money. Uh, things got pretty tight. Yeah. And every time we needed a little bit more money, uh, an opportunity showed up, a door opened for me to do some contract work for someone. And, uh, you know, God definitely provided through that moment. And eventually what happened is, is, uh, I was on this big networking kick, right? I was looking yeah. for a job, super important for me to get back into a stable position. And, uh, I was invited to a, an event, um, in Portland called Brothers in Christ. So Brothers in Christ was just a you know, pretty self-explanatory name, a bunch of men getting together to, um, you know, to meet. And I had been told that there was a, a gentleman named Matt, actually we shared the same name, who I should talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, except uh, when I called Matt, he would never answer my, my phone calls and I would leave messages and he would never return them. And uh, so I, I just felt stuck, even though I knew that he may have a job opportunity for me. And so at this Brothers in Christ meeting, we're going around the room introducing uh, our, ourselves and Matt introduces himself. And immediately I'm like, oh man, I need, to, I need to go. That's him. 
Yeah. I need to go meet Matt. And uh, well, it turns out we're in a big room with, I don't know, probably 50 guys. Well, he gets up and leaves early. And of I wasn't about to like chase him out of, <laughs> you know, out of the room. So I thought, well, I'll just keep calling. Right. Um, well, the next day I had an interview at a real estate firm downtown and I was at a local coffee shop preparing for it. And sure enough, Matt walks in the coffee shop. No. And I, ne I would not have known what he looked like if it wasn't for the day right. before. Right. So I went up to Matt and I introduced myself and I, I said, hey, Brad told me that I should, I should talk with you. And, you know, long story short, that meeting led to a job for me roughly a month later. Mm. And as I look back on that, like there's just not a chance that I could have orchestrated any of it. Yeah. And, 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 this, and this time in my life where I am, searching for a place to, to, to fit and belong, you know, I lose my job and, and God through, you know, his own provision, you know, uh, essentially introduces me to someone who a month later gives me a job. And so I, I, I love to tell that story because, uh, I think God gets the credit for that. And, you know, here I am, uh, you know, I just turned 43 and that is the most power, powerful narrative that I tell myself over and over again which is no matter what happens, uh, no matter what circumstance we, we face, like there is no doubt in my mind that, uh, that God will provide uh, and he will take care of us. And so, uh, I mean, that, that is uh, kind of up until um, I got into real estate for the first time. And uh, really it was the experience that started in that first job working in uh, essentially for a private equity firm in Portland that has given me the experience to, uh, to have the job I do today. Mm. And as I look back, another, another thing that I think is so neat is just to connect the dots. You know, when you're in the moment, when you're in the situa a situation or a circumstance, you can't see exactly how God's going to use this. But as you look back, it's like, oh my gosh, right? I, there's not a chance I could be here if it wasn't for that and that, you know, all these other things that have led up to it. And uh, I'm so thankful for that. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, there is no way I could be doing what I'm doing today if it didn't start with that first job that I got from Matt. I think it's really cool that you look back on that because I think a lot of people would, um, frankly, blow past that. You know, I know that was a painful experience for you. And, um, and it is for a lot of people. Like we, we talked before we started recording about, you know, we always try to have somebody share the struggle on the way on their journey because we all have a struggle if if you haven't had one one's coming i mean it's just it's just part of life for sure and unfortunately uh, sometimes we learn the most in those situations or fortunately i guess but <laughs> we do, even though we're not rooting for those uh to happen you know we tend to learn the most and i think i think uh, one, one of the things i like about you sharing that story is it takes reflection and gratitude kind of to mm -hmm. tell that story uh mm -hmm. because i think Sometimes when I'm get through a pit, I really just don't even want to even look backwards and think Hard. about it that much. I'm so happy to yeah. be out of it that yeah. I don't maybe take the time I need to to go back and reflect and and uh, be grateful yeah. uh, for God's uh, provision in that. So thank you for sharing that. But okay, so we've clawed out of the pit. We got this private equity job. I already gave the intro for what the job is now, but fill in the fill in the timeline there for us a little yeah. bit. You bet. So, uh, 
the the job in private equity was a stretch for me and i was on a very steep learning curve and so uh, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but I'm just going to do it. Like I was, I was on Google, right. Trying to figure out how to do this job. And I'm searching like, what are debits and credits and, you know, doing essentially trying to gather all the information I needed in order to perform well. And because I didn't, I didn't have it walking into it. And I think that is another theme that has allowed me, helped me be successful is just a constant desire to reinvent myself. Uh, I love to learn. Um, you know, I'm also starting from a position that like, I know I don't have it all together. I know that I need help and that hunger to grow and learn has really been, I feel like the main catalyst for, you know, the, any career success that I've had. And so as I, as I was on Google trying to figure out that job, it led to another within the same firm. Uh, that got me into the the home building space mm. and it was a smaller company at the time than we than we do today but we were building homes and apartments and uh, i spent four years essentially as a, a cfo slash controller of a small company so really in the accounting and the financial forecasting of that business and that proved to be one of those stepping stones that god provided uh to allow me to be where i am today and so I worked there. I'm really thankful for that job. Uh, it was uh, it was pivotal in my growth. And during that time, when I was working for that home builder in Portland, I ran into a high school friend uh, whose name is Dan Polish. Um, and Dan uh, is obviously one of the sons of our founder, Dennis Polish. And at that time, uh, they were looking for some help in finance and accounting. And he knew that I was in, uh, in that. And so uh, we connected. And initially... They were looking for a controller, uh, and I realized that I—that's not what I wanted to do full time. Right. I was more interested in the finance side of it. Uh, and then, probably two months later, he calls me and and he um, he says that they're looking for a CFO, and I was very interested in that. So I went through the uh, interviewing and recruiting process, and it came down to me and another gal, and that other gal had more experience than I did, and they ended up choosing her. So. Uh, when, uh, when they delivered that news to me, they, they followed up and said, but we also want you. And I'm like, well, that's never happened to me before, right. <laughs> you know, in a second position, an interview and they wanted me. Uh, but I was up for a change and my wife and I were up for a, a, um, an adventure. And so we decided to take that job and we packed our family up and moved from Portland, uh, to, uh, Bend, Oregon, which is in central Oregon. And we started, uh, the journey with Polish. Uh, and so I started as director of finance, uh, that ironically, that CFO that they hired and said at me, she only lasted about a year and a half. Oh. And so I was able to step into that role. And then, uh, about 20, early 2020, our business was in transition as our founder was retiring. And, uh, and the, uh, essentially the board at the time decided to place me as the first outside CEO at the company. And so I went from uh, being CFO to CEO, and that's the role I'm in today. How many years were you CFO or in the, that finance role? And yeah, you bet. That was, well, I, from director of finance to CFO, that was about four years in yeah. that seat. And I've been three years as CEO. And so, yeah, I definitely, I did not get into home building through the trades. You know, a lot of uh, people in our business come up that way. I came through the finance and accounting side of the business. But that's even 
not a direct route because you were a physical science guy. I mean, and hey, then, I told you I didn't know where I, I, I where I fit. There, there's something here. I think the the way you said it is, uh, uh, you know, you have a desire to learn. That's obvious, uh, and and a desire to reinvent yourself. But I think there's something about just admitting when you don't know things. Like you told that story about going to your professor. You're like, I like this. I think that's really interesting that you were interested in a in a in a class in real estate, and it was finance, but but you weren't you didn't feel well equipped. Like even though you weren't academically doing well, you liked it. So I think there's a, that's really, there, there's something to learn there about. It doesn't have to be a straight line, like to follow like the passion. And, and I, I keep thinking about sort of how, you know, there, there's that old quip that, uh, you know, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called, you oh, know? Man. And I feel like you're kind of like this living example of that. So Okay, yes, so you, now I, you get into the CEO job. Now that's a big job, right? You guys are yeah. building 500 homes a year, 135 employees. That's got to be uh, that's a pretty intimidating jump, and that's your first CEO gig. So that's that had to be a little scary at first, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. Your you know your little quote that you just said is one that has uh, been on my mind and heart big time. You mm. know, God doesn't call the equipped; He equips the called, and. And that has been my ultimate confidence. You know, God has opened these doors in a way that I could not have orchestrated. And until he closed those, closes these doors, I'm going to show up every day and work my tail off, learn, grow, get better. And, and that has been a, a, a major uh, source of confidence for me because this is, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. There are, I mean, the, the people challenges that we face on a daily basis, how to address the you know, organizational health side of our business, the challenges of, of capital and, um, you know, keeping lot supply in front of us. And um, I mean, the, the thing that I rely on is building a team of very talented people who hopefully with that same self-awareness that you're talking about, recognize that, that we need to come together as a powerful team. No one of us can do this, but together we can accomplish a lot. And, you know, that is how I'm, I'm leading the company right now because uh, you know, I feel my own weaknesses. Like I know that they're there. Uh, and yet if we structure things properly, uh, it's amazing what we'll be able to accomplish together. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of humility in, in the admitting what you don't know, hiring people, uh, frankly, they're better than a bunch of things than we are at, at doing these things and cutting them yep. loose and then praying like crazy for wisdom. I, it for feels sure. like every time I have a plan, it never works out. And every time God shows up, it's like, beautifully works out and i'm like oh my gosh it's just it's just if i just get out of the way and listen to him it's 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 amazing uh, it's just the hubris of trying to take control that's what gets me in trouble so i think uh it's sort of it's a mirage it's, it's, control exactly it's not true anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's the mirage well said yeah so now uh but now i know you guys uh you and jeff uh rut met also you have something in common obviously with the home building business but also with Homes for Hope. How, how do you, you, you can touch on that maybe for a minute, but also uh, just thinking about generally uh, the platform you have as the CEO yeah. of this pretty big home builder. Uh, how, how do you think about generosity? And you can tell that Homes for Hope story or go yep. take that wherever you like. You bet. So yes, uh, I did not know about Homes for Hope until meeting Jeff Rutt uh, probably three years ago at this point. And uh, he is so passionate about uh, Homes for Hope and then Hope International's mission that uh, it certainly has rubbed off, rubbed off on us, you know, here in Central Oregon. And so Great. 
we um, we partnered with Homes for Hope for the first time uh, this year. And uh, essentially, so the cool thing about Homes for Hope is we get to do, as home builders, we get to do what we do every day. The thing you know how to do. That's what I think is so cool. And, and again, not everybody knows that model. So we have a lot of listeners that have no idea what that is. So maybe, maybe yeah. just walk them through how that works. You bet. So we, uh, I mean, we build and sell 500 homes a year. Right. And we have systems and processes and structures set up to do that. And we we just, we sell market value homes to the public. And so we are, we're really good at that. We've got communities all over the Pacific Northwest. And so what Homes for Hope does is they challenge us to, to take one of those homes and to uh, essentially partner with your trades and suppliers to spread the message about, uh, about how the proceeds will be used, all with the goal of maximizing the number of proceeds that can be generated okay. from this one okay, home. Okay, got it. And we, the proceeds that we generated, uh, it was $750,000. Amazing. I know it. It still blows my mind. I mean, what did we, the house sell for? Uh, yeah, it was. I think off the top of my head, I think it was about a million two. So you okay? I mean, but that's pretty good. I mean, you had like yes. two two thirds or whatever, more than that yes. donated, yes. right? It's incredible. I mean, we have a community on the west side of Bend, which is has been a really hot community, and we we designated one of the lots for Homes for Hope, and then we started to spread the message. And when we talked to our suppliers and our trades, I was so shocked at their participation. I mean, don't what let was, there be what no was confusion. Your, give us your 30 second pitch. What was the pitch? Well, the, so the proceeds that we generate go to Homes for Hope. I'm sorry, they go to Hope International. Hope International turns those funds into microfinance loans that get dispersed throughout the world and, and get uh, essentially the money gets loaned out to entrepreneurs that then get to do their business, do their trade, do their craft, whatever they do. And all, I think the repayment rate on those loans is like 98%. Exactly. Um, Jeff does it much better. It recirculates. Yeah. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, when you get to empower people to go and uh, to work and, and earn, um, that is way, way uh, better than the toxic charity that, you know, that right. Jeff Rutt talks about, which is when people just drop off money and leave. Right. So we, we really believe in the mission of, of Hope International. Um, and through this one hope we did, this one home we did in Bend, we were able to generate $750,000. And let there be no confusion. That's not our profit. It was the, it was the trades donating their labor. No, no, yeah, no, 100%. You, you put it together and, and contributed. Yep. yep. And so that was a, a super special event. That's really cool. Uh, that we finished up last summer. Yeah. Um, now... I think one other comment just about generosity. Yes. I mean, I am still early in my career. And one of the things that I have tried really hard to do over the last 20 years is, um, is just to increase the amount of giving in my personal life on an annual basis. You know, there was a professor at Biola that challenged me to, uh, to think about giving that way. And uh, I even kind of geek out about it. And I've got this little, this little Excel sheet where I track my, uh, you know, my uh, tax return every year and I can, I can compare, you know, how much of it I've given. And, and really my goal with my wife is that we just see that percentage increase every year. And we've been working at it for a while. And, and it's, um, I think it's a great way just to measure like the direction of our heart, right? Is our heart getting mm. more and more generous every year, uh, as opposed to, you know, as earnings go up, it's so tempting to, um, you know, to keep it, to increase your lifestyle, to oh, yeah. uh, make your barns bigger. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I just remember that challenge from the professor of Biola. And that's one way just practically in our personal life that we have tried to be more and more generous every year. Really like that. And I know you were telling me earlier that, uh, you know, the way you keep track of that, it's actually pretty simple. It's on your tax return. So, so just simple. yank the number off the tax return every year. And, uh, and you track it kind of as a percentage of income, yeah. right? So, cause you maybe if your income's fluctuating, you're just trying to totally as a percentage, keep it, keep it going. Oh, I think that's it growing. So, yeah. The lump sum each year, uh, changes based on, you know, what happened, but I, yeah, hopefully as a percentage, it's an indicator of, you know, you know, how we're yeah. doing. And I know, you know, you've been in this job four years, uh, 135 people. That's a lot to oversee. And I know you mentioned organization, organizational health. So when, when you're thinking about the culture, because I think organizational health, I mean, I, I, I don't know. To me, culture is a little underrated. I think, you know, I, I do believe that culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you don't have a healthy culture, and it, the strategy almost doesn't matter to a certain extent. But um, so and, and I think having a good culture is also generosity to, yeah. to your employees. How do you think about culture and, and the generosity and sure. the way you treat your employees? That sort of thing. Sure. Um, well, I am a huge fan of Pat Lencioni. Um, you know, he has challenged me in, in many ways. And I love his ability to just call out like the brutally honest truth about a situation. And so um, we have been working on the health of our team for several years. And it's amazing, you know, in a sinful world as humans, uh, it's so easy for us to fall into behaviors where we self-promote and we self-protect. Yeah. And when that kind of attitude shows up on a team, it's deadly. Mm. And you know, one of the one of the things that I'm trying to do inside of our culture is to help people feel safe. And by that, I think there's some actual deep gospel roots in it. Um, so first of all. Uh, you know, when people come and join our company, they applied, they interviewed, they were hired, right? Massive, massive success and something to celebrate there. Now, once you get into our culture, instead of trying to prove your worth to us, instead of trying to signal smarts, instead of trying to, you know, show everyone how good you are, I actually want you to, to, to take a step back and relax. Like, first of all, we already know that you're going to make mistakes. I know that because I'm the, I'm the chief mistake maker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I make them all. And so like, once you come into our culture, we will be so much better if we own the fact that we are imperfect and set out on a course to get better together every day. And uh, that is one of the hardest things for us to overcome uh, as, uh, you know, that self-protection and self-promoting that, that we are um, working really hard because I think that it, it will change everything we do together. And so becoming, you know, that, you know, there's a, a really good book out there that talks about deliberately developmental organizations. And so this is an organization that uh, sets out to get better every day and you build processes and systems around it. Uh, they even talk about how um, having a backhand. So everyone knows that uh, the backhand in the game of tennis is usually your worst, you know, yeah. your worst swing. Well, so the, the, the saying is, it's like, well, what's your backhand? What are you working on in order to get better? 
And everyone in a deliberately developmental organization knows your weaknesses. Weakness is viewed as an asset. You know, oper- you know, air is an opportunity. And so we're trying to shift the way we think about that in our culture uh, so that we can come together and do something that is really special, bigger than any one of us. Uh, and it is a, it's a battle. It is so hard. Why is, so I, we can, it's a, it's a really strong statement to say self-promotion and self-protection is deadly. Why do you think that is? I mean, I know you're unpacking some of the advantages of sort of admitting your weaknesses, but why is that so deadly? Well, I, the first thing that comes to mind is, I think it was Brian, Brian Regan, his little, his little skit on the me monster. I mean, <laughs> we turn into me monsters. And we turn into um, people that, you know, we tell ourselves stories, we distort reality. And all Mm. of a sudden, when you've got a team full of people doing that, you're not talking about, I mean, trust is low. Right. You know, know, uh, transparency is is low. Right. Uh, And all those, I mean, Pat would tell you, right, the, 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 the foundation of dysfunction in teams is lack of trust. Okay. And so, you know, as we, as we work as a, on a, as a team to build trust together, I think that, you know, the roots in the gospel are, Hey, we're sinners, right? Like we are sinners who need a savior. And as soon as you acknowledge that, then, then the whole world changes. And so that's that, that progression. And I'm, I haven't, I mean, I don't, you know, we, we are in very, a very liberal part of the, our nation in Oregon. And so, you know, the conversation isn't always this transparent, but I think that, you know, when we understand that we are sinners first and foremost, and that's how we show up on a team, it changes everything. And all of a sudden now I can care more about, you know, letting the best idea, you know, you know, come to the surface instead of my own idea or, uh, I can care about having a servant's heart in the way we uh, we interact as as team members, and I mean, the, I think the the connections are are many. But I think that you know when we set out on a team to protect ourselves and uh, to promote ourselves, then it is a deadly thing to a culture. Uh, and I I really uh, I think your this is your gift. Uh, it, if I can just say that is you know. Um, the way you share that story about being unemployed and the and how God got you through that period, and I, I just love this that you love this course that you were bad at. Okay, like I, I just I just think it's kind of amazing. It's like uh, God keeps putting you in these situations where you feel like, hey, this sounds fun, but yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, uh, I think a lot of people can. I'm thinking of imposter syndrome and all kinds of things that people sure. struggle with, and. Uh, and I think this idea that, hey, if he put me here and I'm interested in it, he's going to get me through it, you know? And, uh, and then as a team member, no matter where you are in the organization, just having the humility to go, hey, I think I have these skills, but I don't know any. You just asked me to do this thing. I have no clue yeah. about how to do that. Uh, or I have no clue about how. There's just something with that transparency. It does build trust. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as the leader now, uh, Okay, as long as they tell me where they are, honestly, we can deal with whatever. Yeah, in fact, the only thing that we really can't deal with is when people hide. Right. Because Oh, you said you know how to do it, but you didn't know how to do it, so it didn't get done, and now I'm in a hole. But if you just would have told me you didn't know how to do it, we would have gotten you some help, and you would have learned or 
Have a we partner can partner, or whatever. We can partner with you on anything. If you right. know, as long as as long as you are uh, committed, you know, to uh, to the goal we set. And but as soon as you start to hide, and as soon as you start to pretend um, that you are something you're not, or yeah. you're you're maintaining something that's not really there, then we're in trouble. Do you do a lot of personality profiling and and that kind of thing, or do you just? Do you I do? mean, we try. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and nothing's perfect. I mean, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, I, I think there are valuable insights that can be gleaned from, you know, many of those tools. Um, yeah. I think the, 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 the thing that we've been working on most in our business right now is, is really setting the playing field for trust to exist. And so that means that, uh, you know, we structure our meetings a little bit differently. You know, we ask, we set norms in our culture where, um, uh, like one that we have right now is we're going to enter the danger. This is this actually came directly from the, the the table group, which is Pat Lynchoni's group, and they challenged us to to not hold back. So, uh, you know, when we're in a room with a lot of people, and uh, we know we have something on our mind that we need to say, but we're not saying it. You know, if you're if you listen to their podcast at all, they say that politics is changing what you say based on who's in the room, and that is so true. And so. You know, we are encouraging our people to speak openly and honestly, uh, no matter what. Because guess what? Let's just say you're wrong. Let's just say you were bold, you shared something, and it turns out that you learned something new and you were wrong. Guess guess what comes next? An apology. Right. I'm sorry. I messed that up. I clearly was wrong, and you get right back on track. Hey, that's. I good. mean, that's that's There's really no downside. Is your no. point? That's yeah. the type of culture that you know that we want to build, and so we we have a section of our leadership meeting we call under the table. So pretty obvious, you know, we're looking for the things that we should be talking about that we're not because they might be uncomfortable. Um, so we, we're trying to build the processes into the business that allow the, the internal, right? The things that we hold back, we want to bring those out. We want to make them external. And so we, we're doing that through, you know, a whole bunch of these little processes that uh, hopefully should like help that. us do that. I like that. Let me pivot just for a second, because one of the things that is really unique about your position is that um, you're the CEO of uh, what's a private sort of family owned business. For sure. Yeah. What is that like? What are some of the unique challenges or fun things about that situation? Yep. Well, first of all, I, I, was, I was given a, uh, an incredible gift and uh, Polish Homes uh, has a, an exceptional reputation in our markets. Um, historically, uh, we have, we build the best home in the Northwest and, uh, you know, that started in the, uh, kind of with the roots of our founder, you know, he was a framer and as a result, uh, builds just an incredibly solid home. And well, you can imagine that, uh, family run businesses with many owners are, uh, challenging and dynamic. Um, and so I would say that the greatest battle that I face is is where does the family get involved and where should they not get involved? And, you know, I'm not saying anything that I think any one owner, you know, at our business um, wouldn't already know, but that's a challenge because, you know, when there are too many figureheads, too many leaders, yeah. it, uh, it can really create silos. It can, um, you know, create turf wars. Uh, and we, uh, that was really our owners and our board's uh, desire was to eliminate that in the business. And so they, that's when they decided to appoint me. Um, but even today it, it, it is a challenge and I think we're getting better and better at it. it has to do with, you know, each one of us needs to know our role. What is our role? 
uh, what's, what is the business need from a CEO? What is the business need from uh, a board member? Uh, and then we have to, you know, uh, execute that. And so, you know, that's probably the greatest challenge, but overall I feel, um, I feel like I'm in the arena a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, that quote about the man in the arena is actually mm-hmm. one that I go to on a regular basis to find motivation. Um, and, uh, and it, it certainly feels bloody at times. Um, but I know that, uh, that we have, uh, great partners. We have great owners that all share the same vision. And even though it's a little bumpy along the way, I think we're winning that battle. Well, uh, it's been really amazing. Um, you know, thanks for sharing this uh, journey so openly uh, with us. I know it's going to be a blessing to many, many yeah. folks. And, and, you know, the way we always try to kind of wrap this up, uh, Matt, is that uh, we just try to leave like a practical tip and you, you've left mm-hmm. plenty, but as we sort of wrap up here, you know, again, Sometimes as we kind of get to the end of these, there's this big arc and yeah, you've had some setbacks, but you're kind of uh, got the CEO job now. And, and uh, sometimes maybe that's hard for some people to identify with and, uh, and maybe they don't have the resources to buy a, uh, you know, a full house uh, with their partners and, and give 750 grand away. But, mm-hmm. uh, but so we always try to leave it with just a practical tip, something that somebody can do tomorrow or, uh, just this kind of on this journey behind you, what, what's some practical tip that's coming to mind that, that you might share with our mm-hmm. listeners? Well, I, I, th- I think I'm going to repeat myself. Yeah. Um, it is, it's mainly about the, the mindset you wake up every day with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God is uh, a big God and he has shown me over and over again that we can trust him, even if it means we have to reinvent ourselves. And even if it means that it's not going exactly how we thought it would. Uh, and so I think having that, um, learning disposition, the one that, um, follows, uh, you know, the way areas, you know, that follows the way that the Lord leads. And, you know, when you sense a passion that's growing, I think that's the spirit moving in our heart. Yeah. And, and, uh, if we're walking with the Lord, we can follow that. And, uh, even if it, even if it's new territory and so being willing to, um, outwork, you know, those around you, I think goes a, a, a long ways, uh, you know, as we follow the Lord, uh, on this journey. So love it. Stay flexible, follow his path. He'll equip you keep learning and, and trust, uh, trust in him and that path he's got for you. I think that's, uh, a great way to leave it. So, uh, awesome. thanks again, uh, Matt for, uh, joining us today. It's just been, uh, just been a joy to hear your uh, uh, your story. And I know once again, many people will benefit from it. So thanks for joining us, Matt. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. And I I appreciate your work. This podcast is awesome. Hey, thank you. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, feel free to sign up on our YouTube channel and on generousbusinessowner.com for our newsletter and uh, share it with a friend and leave us your rating and reviews. And we will see you next week. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.